0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs.
1: Good morning, uh, everyone. It's time to get started. Welcome to SACPA. My name's Dwayne Pendergast, and I'm your moderator today. I'll start with the housekeeping rules. We're recording now. Please turn off your cell phones. There's a basket on your table to collect the $11 lunch payment. And can you have someone check the total so we can pick it up? And I remind everyone that SACP is a volunteer, non-profit association. We rely on membership fees and other contributions to do our work. Uh, Memberships are available from Lisa, right here. We particularly thank the University of Lethbridge and the Herald for support and notice distribution, Country Kitchen Catering for hosting lunch so ably, well, maybe not so ably for a little while today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shaw TV for broadcasting our sessions on Sunday, CKXU for live radio, and all Lethbridge Media for coverage of our events. For newcomers, I note we start with a 25- to 30-minute presentation, then we have lunch, and then a 30-minute question period starting about 1 o'clock. Now I'd like to introduce our topic for today. Several years ago, I worked in the climate change greenhouse gas management business. Just about everyone I encountered talked about reducing or stopping carbon emissions. Few asked, what beneficial use could we make of carbon dioxide? Today we will hear from one of the few Dr. Anthony Anya will tell us about carbon sequestering science and technology that also has potential to enhance Earth's soils. Dr. Anya received his PhD in 2001 from the Humboldt University of Berlin. He's now with Alberta Innovates Technology Futures and is lead scientist and manager of the Bio-Resource Technologies Business Unit. He's also an adjunct professor in the Department of Renewable Resources, University of Alberta. His talk today is titled Biochar, a product of ancient technology with possible global impact and new opportunities for Alberta. Welcome to SACPA, Dr. Anya.
0: Thank you, Duane. And thank you, everyone, for giving me the opportunity to speak to you today before your lunch. I hope that by the time I'm done, uh, you will not regret coming to listen to me in between your lunch this afternoon. Dwayne mentioned that I work for Alberta Innovate Technology Futures, and I'm not sure that many of you are aware of what this organization is. So I thought that before I actually get to the topic of biochar, I will take a few moments to tell you about the organization that I work for. Alberta Innovate's technology future is uh, part of uh, the Alberta Innovate system, which is a government uh, uh, organization to better research and innovation within our province. As you can see on this slide, the blue uh, sister corporations here are the ones that mainly fund research. You see Alberta Innovate Energy and Environment Solution, you see the bio solution, and you see the health solution. These blue uh, corporations, they are responsible for, for providing funding for research, applied research, and innovation within our province. The Alberta Innovate Technology Future is the green one that you see, and we mostly focus on commercialization of technology. We have divisions responsible for providing money to businesses to do Technology Demonstration and Commercialization. And then we have a group, a division within the Innovate, responsible for providing technical support services and research uh, activities in support of technology commercialization in our province. And, of course, we interact uh, with the post-secondary institutions in the uh, uh, research and innovation value chain. In terms of our mandate, AITF, as we call it, is essentially focusing on research for business. We are responsible for uh, 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 providing support services to businesses to to commercialize new technology. And the ultimate goal is to make our province a better place to live and do business. Alberta Innovate Technology Future operates in five main locations. We have two facilities in Edmonton. We have a facility in Devon, uh, close to Edmonton, and we have a facility in Calgary. Then there is this beautiful facility in Vegreville, east of Edmonton, where I spend most of my time. In terms of summary, if uh, many of you uh, were aware or familiar of uh, what used to be called the Alberta Research Council, Alberta Research Council is now part of the Alberta Innovate a system, So it's one of uh, the organizations that we have reorganized to form part of uh, the uh, Alberta Innovate Technology Futures. It's, a, it's, a, uh, organ- it's an organization with long history, over 90 years of existence. And you see some statistics here. We have over 600 individuals that work there. We do research from agriculture, forestry, energy to, uh, to health. The other ones are just statistics, just to give you uh, the scope of our operation. And of course, the building that I'm showing you here is the beautiful facility in Vegreville where I work. And if you take a look at it, you see uh, greenhouses. Sorry, I don't have a pointer, so I'm going to try to use my mouse here to to to, to be the pointer. You see greenhouses, and if you look behind, you see fields. So this tells you that we are primarily focused on agricultural research. It's a beautiful facility. Now, biochar. I I, I get uh, often asked the question what is biochar? And my simple answer is do you ever use char in your barbecue? And if the answer is yes, I'll say then biochar is char. When you use char for agricultural and environmental purposes, we give it a fancy name, biochar. It's a product that is produced through a process we call pyrolysis, which essentially is heating of waste biomass in the absence of oxygen. You put your biomass in a reaction vessel, and you heat it up. In some of these systems, when you start to heat it up, it releases some volatile gases that you then reconnect to run the system so that the process of biochar production itself Is energy-sufficient. You don't really need much energy to produce it. And you can use any form of biomass, agricultural residue, manure, forest residue, crop residue, name it to to make it. And when you make your biochar, there are three key products that you get from that process of pyrolysis. The solid portion is the biochar. There is a liquid portion that you call bio-oil. And then there is a gaseous phase that we call seeing gas. But the focus of our biochar activity is mostly on the solid. So uh, most of uh, the biochar that we produce, we try to optimize it to get the solid material out of it. There are different types of processes for making it. I'm not going to go into the details of this, except to say say that uh, the process that we are using to make biochar called slow pyrolysis yields, on average, about 30% solid material, which is the char. The other liquid and volatiles that we get out of it, in some of our systems, we collect the oils, and in some other systems, we simply reconnect them back to the system to provide the energy for converting that biomass to biochar. So the, question, the next question will be, why are we interested in biochar? What's so special about biochar? My forefathers made biochar, and I think uh, uh, yours, too, they made biochar. They knew how to use it. Forest fa- uh, f- uh, fires create biochar. So why the special interest? A group of researchers were working on soil science, and they traveled to Amazon in Brazilian. And they were looking at soils. They found some dark soils that they call terra preta that they found to be way more productive than the neighboring brown soils that they have in that zone. And when they started testing these soils to, you know, investigate why they were so productive, they found evidence of char in the soil. So that opened the whole world of looking at what biochar does in soil. On this slide, I'm showing some summary. It's just a few of the good things that biochar can do for our soils. It improves the water-holding capacity of soils, so if you have dry soils and you put biochar, they are going to hold water a bit better. It improves uh, fertilizer use efficiency because they bind to fertilizer. Instead of allowing fertilizer to leach out, they hold it a bit better. And of course, they reduce the runoff of your fertilizer. It's it's clear that, you know, if you apply fertilizer, about 50 to 75% of the fertilizer that we apply is leached or simply volatilized, uh, there. Volatilized, yeah. By using biochar, you can uh, make this fertilizer a bit more efficient. And, of course, it creates a better environment. It improves the properties of soil, makes the microorganisms and organisms living in the soil to feel better. If you take a look at these slides, these ones, so unfortunately, we're not taking in, a, in our province here. This uh, black one is uh, an example of that terra preta soil that I talked about in the Amazon, and you are looking at it here. It's just uh, to demonstrate. If you grow crops, uh, this corn on this brown soil here, you see the yield. You put it on a very rich soil containing biochar. You see what it does. And you see this gentleman here is excited about the yield he is getting on his biochar. He's putting there biochar and nitrogen. And he says, oh, I'm getting you know, very, very high yield. Reported yields globally can be zero up to 200, depending on the soil that you are using it. Biochar is not made for all soils, because if you already have very, very rich soils and you put biochar, you are likely not going to get the yield evidence that many people have reported. But if you have poor soils and you put biochar, then, of course, you can get very, very uh, high yields out of it. At the Alberta Innovate Technology Futures, we've been experimenting with biochar for over six years, our initial focus was developing biochar applications for horticultural uses. So we have experimented with biochar, made biochar out of wheat, straw, or sludge material, out of any biomass that you can think of, and we've used it to grow crops in the greenhouse. If many of you are familiar with greenhouse growing of crops using what we call the hydroponic system, you'll find that they use these bags that are coconut core. Those bags or coconut core comes from Asian countries, most of them Sri Lanka, so we've demonstrated that if you, instead of using that coconut coral, if you simply make biochar from wheat straw, like you see in this bag here, and you use it to grow crops, your greenhouse vegetables will do just as well or better than they do when you grow them on coconut coral. So you take a look at these cucumber uh, plants here. Uh, they are grown on three different substrates. You have the biochar, uh, I think, uh, to, to my right. And of course, you have sawdust in the middle, and then you have the coconut car uh, to the left. You find that the biochar, the ones growing on biochar, you see how healthy looking they are. They are very, very happy. That experiment was actually done in Brooks with our collaborator, uh, Dr. Nick Savidoff, and also green pepper. We grew biochar and green pepper too. This one is just to give you a uh, uh, some statistics, you'll find that the ones growing on biochar actually did better than the ones that were growing on coconut core, the red. And of course, raw, uh, sawdust, which is another agent that, uh, or substrate that is uh, used, see how poor it is in terms of yield. So biochar definitely has some importance in greenhouse growing of crops. And uh, we are currently working uh, with uh, an Alberta company to do large-scale demonstration of that so that it will be commercialized and there will be a large scale trial going on in brooks again starting from this year up to next year another thing that biochar we found that biochar also do is uh, in helping to remediate hydrocarbon contaminated soil in vegrivi facility where i work we do get soil samples from farmers from time to time to test for evidence of herbicide residue before they make decision about their next cropping season so this soil, where we received this soil from uh, a farmer, you will find here that when we grew sugar beet, which is what we use to test those soil, whether it can be used to grow canola, you'll find that, you know, this was almost not growing. When we added biochar to that soil, we discovered this was just, you know, by, uh, by experiment, uh, just by chance we were not really out to do any experiment. We discovered that the ones that we added biochar to actually did very, very well. The plants, you know, grew, so we'll now be optimizing this and we'll be providing it as a tool to optimize or, or remediate hydrocarbon contaminated soil. The same thing with greenhouses. If, you, if you're also familiar with greenhouse or greenhouse grain of crops, you use surface dugout water for irrigation. And at times, if you don't filter that water, you can suffer herbicide damage because of residue from agricultural activities as well as... Uh, as a, a municipal spray, they get in our waterways. If you just simply take that water and use it to water your crops in the greenhouse, you can experience this kind of damage that you are seeing on my, on my right-hand side. And, of course, the healthy, the healthy tomato plant that you are seeing there, we added biochar to that soil. That's why it's doing very well. So based on this outcome, we are actually now developing processes and filter to be used in greenhouses, cheap alternative to activated carbon, to be used in greenhouses so that producers don't suffer damage caused by, uh, caused by herbicide residues. Another important area that we are currently looking at is in the area of land reclamation and remediation for biochar. And you will see why. We live in a province where hydrocarbon, we are very, very rich. We mine it. We drill wells, and also in the Athabasca regions, we also do a lots of mining. Each time you take out these resources, the government has also set up regulations that the land must be reclaimed back to its original state. And uh, 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 in our province also too, you find that we have several sections in our line, agricultural land that are heavily affected by what you call the solenetic soils. These are the salt-affected soil. You drive around, you see those white patches, you put crops that they don't do very well. So we are experimenting, whether it's on the land reclamation area or these solenitic soils, how you can use biochar to remediate them. And why would biochar, for example, do well in solenitic soils? My colleagues who are soil scientists, they tell me that they are finding that when you put biochar... They fill the cracks so that they prevent those soils from swelling and making them too hard to work, so that roots can grow better in those soils. And at the same time, depending on, on, on the substrate that you make your biochar out of, you have calcium and magnesium uh, 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 that comes, a salt that comes with that biochar that also creates an ameliori- ameliorating effect on your biochar. If you are familiar with solenistic soils or these uh, 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 hard pans, you know that you know deep plowing, special deep plowing, gypsum, or sulfuric acid are some of the uh, mechanisms that we currently use to remediate it. In this slide, you are seeing here that we've tested biochar in such soils. The first year that we put the biochar, you see here the one that is the one-to-one, which is uh, one ratio of soil to one ratio of biochar, we already experienced that uh, the, the, where we put biochar was doing better. But the most interesting thing is that when we went back there the second year, we actually got better results. We didn't apply biochar the second year. From the effects of the biochar that we applied the first year, we actually got better results. Crops were doing better, if you look at it. Uh, Sorry, these pictures are not very clear, but you will see here that, you know, you have more biomass here than you have for the one where it's deep trench or just you didn't do anything. So, biochar is definitely doing something there. We're going back there again. Uh, We've gone back there again this year, and we are currently analyzing the results from that experiment, the third year. And in terms of land reclamation, like I said at the beginning, we have heavy activities on oil and gas. This graph here shows wells uh, uh, from 1963 up to 2009 drilled what was reclaimed and what was abandoned. And if you look at it, you see that uh, the, uh, the space or, or land requiring reclamation is increasing. You look at it, the blue one is the ones that have been abandoned. The red one is, uh, is uh, uh, the ones that have been reclaimed. And the black bars that you see that the tall ones are the ones that still need to be reclaimed. So there is a huge potential for businesses to develop products that can be used in reclamation. And, of course, the Athabasca oil sands, uh, we are all aware of uh, the scope of those activities. So my colleague is, cor- is currently looking at working with some of the oil and gas companies to introduce biochar to some of their mined lands that, that, that needs to be reclaimed. The interesting thing that I want you to note here is that these bags are what we've already used in the greenhouses to grow crops. We've already derived value from these, but they are not waste. We are taking them back to the land again. and uh, the pictures uh, that my colleague was showing me earlier this week are showing very, very positive results from that biochar spent biochar that we've already used to grow crops in the greenhouse. Dwayne talked about carbon sequestration when he was doing the introduction. I don't know how many of us who are familiar with uh, the 2008 climate change strategy that our province put out there because we emit lots of CO2 as part of, as part of our hydrocarbon businesses that we do. And because we do that, the province is also very, very sensitive and they want to do things to mitigate or reduce the amount of CO2 that goes into the atmosphere. You hear about CCS, carbon capture and storage, where you essentially capture CO2 from the point source where it's being released, pump it in geological formations. But we think that there is another alternative, and that alternative is called biochar, and I'll tell you why. Through the process of pyrolysis that I talked at the beginning of my talk, if you make that biochar the... the, the, Okay, l- let me take a step back. Every biomass is the product of photosynthesis. If you cut it down and you do nothing to it, the carbon that it captures during photosynthesis goes back to the atmosphere. It decomposes. But if you take uh, uh, that biomass and you make biochar out of it, in this next slide, so this is the, this is the regular process, the carbon circle. Decomposition return. Your carbon uh, uh, dioxide back to the atmosphere that is captured during the process of photosynthesis. If you take that and you take it through the process of pyrolysis, you are locking up a portion of that carbon that ordinarily would have gone back to the atmosphere in that black substance that we call biochar. And if you pull that back in soil, we believe that you are storing carbon in the soil or you are sequestering carbon. How long? Do you sequester this carbon? If you take a look at this next graph from uh, one of the prominent researchers of biochar at uh, the University of Cornell, you see here we put a question mark. This is the default. Do nothing to your biomass. It decomposes back to the atmosphere. releases all the CO2 within two to five years, depend, depending on the density of the biomass. And if you paralyze it or make biochar out of it. About 50% of the original volume is locked up. You see, nothing is happening. But for how long, we are not sure. Don't worry to read this. I only just want to point you out there that scientists are also beginning to experiment for how long, to answer that question of how long. And what they have done here using uh, some uh, carbon isotope dating, they are showing that this carbon Anywhere from six hundred and fifty years to over a thousand years. I've also actually seen some reports that are talking about, you know, three thousand, you know, two thousand years is locked up. That to me is carbon sequestration. And if you are taking some of that carbon away and putting it in soil, improving your crop production and locking up that carbon away, I think we are having a cheaper alternative to sequester carbon while we better our lives. And at the same time, experiments are also showing... This one was done in New Zealand. They are finding that if they put biochar on some of their grazing land, that the emission of N2O, which is also a very, very potent greenhouse gas, was reduced by as much as 70%. So not only is carbon being stored through putting biochar in your soil, but by also putting it in land... Like where you have your urine, your, your, your grazing land, you are also able to decrease biochar, uh, decrease uh, emission. But I've told you just the good stories. There are still things that we need to know about biochar. Questions that you also get from people also, if you tell them you know to do biochar and put in their soil for farmland or for reclamation is, what is the economics? Am I going to make money doing it? So part of the activities that we are also doing is working to address that question by optimizing technology and by looking for the right sources of biomass that you will use for it. Then there is the question of quality because if biochar is not made right, you can end up causing problems instead of solving problems. Then of course, you know, then of course, how long will that biochar stay in soils? I talked about it before experiments are showing, but none of that has been done here, so we don't know how long the biochar is going to be in the soil. And of course, policies are currently not there to make biochar use in our soil, a wide spread activity. There are also issues of contaminants. You have issues that people are concerned that if you make biochar a widely used application, that you may be removing residues from crop land. We all know the benefits of residues. If you harvest your crop and you really leave some of it back in the soil, you know what it does to your soil. And, of course, if you don't make a biochar using the right technology, you might end up actually releasing more greenhouse gases than you were trying to solve. So to address some of those gaps and concerns, we uh, got together with our partners, and we started something called the Abata Biochar Programme. These are the partners I don't want to, you know, uh, go because I think my time is beginning to run out. But, you know, it's good to know that Alberta Biochar program, the purpose is to help small and medium-sized companies and entrepreneurs to deliver new products out of BioChair, make money doing BioChair, create a platform for them to be able to do that, and support them through the Alberta Innovate system from that concept formation all the way through to commercialization and markets. As part of this program, we've uh, we've recently acquired uh, a mobile pyrolysis unit. I'll show you photographs in my last slides, where we will be able to move biochar production to partners' sites. You don't have to drive those uh, biomass to my site. Where I work in Regulville, instead we will drive the equipment to you to make biochar. You make the biochar, you can use it in your garden, use it on your farm, use it to grow your vegetables indoor. And it creates a platform for us to be able to do the analysis that we want to do to be able to really get the stakeholders engaged. These are some of the equipments when we started working on biochar about six years ago, six years ago that we designed in Vegreville to make biochar. We started from a very, very crude, taking crude metals around our facility to a more sophisticated one, to the one we call the work But you see, even the work could only make 20 kilograms of biochar in each batch, And we can only make three batches a day, so it wasn't enough. So thanks to our new funding, we've gotten this fancy piece of equipment. See, it's on wheel. They actually use this truck to drive it all the way from Quebec to our facility in Vegreville. So with this facility now, we are able to make up to a ton of biochar, and we actually have two of them. Each of them can produce up to a ton of biochar each, each day. This is the second one. It's a smaller one. And this is likely the one you will probably see driving to let If you tell me you need to make biochar. So anyway, that's uh, my story of biochar. And I will conclude by saying that agronomic and environmental use of biochar is an emerging area. The potential is huge globally. There are so many people around the world interested in biochar. And you are going to hear more and more through our program here. And because it's an emerging area, the opportunity exists for innovators to create what they want to see. Thank you very much.